direction on what to do about the job. No, actually, I didn't. I don't know what the deal is. It's like God is trying to ignore me or something. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, to the ages of all ages, amen. We've been talking the last few weeks, and you can catch up whatever you missed on our uh, YouTube channel, um, about hearing the voice of God and on this short series that we've been doing called Listen um, and how to listen to God. And last week we were talking about how that listening is not only an action that we do with our ears, but it's a disposition that we have. Um, it's a readiness that we have to obey God um, in whatever he commands us. And we looked at the children of Israel who um, when, God, when, when Moses came down from the mountain after he'd been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, he comes down with a set of commandments and he says to them, I'm going to tell you what God has said. And the people respond to him and they say, we will do everything the Lord has said. They commit to doing everything the Lord has said before Moses tells them what he said. And I was contrasting that to our way of doing things. You know, let me see what God says. Let me evaluate it. Let me see how it holds up to sort of my worldview and how I think of things and so on. And if I like it, I'll do it. And if I don't, I'll rationalize it and see why, you know, this doesn't really, I mean, maybe God's a good guy and this all applied in a certain time, but it certainly doesn't apply to me now. Um, and, and how it's that disposition of being ready and willing to do that which the Lord says to do um, at any time, that's what um, that's the disposition that prepares us to hear God. And so um, I was saying that it's 90% disposition and 10% technique. Um, and so these are the two weeks, this week and next week, where we're gonna, really going to talk about the technique, how to hear the voice of God. It's 90% a willingness in our hearts to obey God, a readiness to obey His commandments, which is demonstrated by our life. Is my life in keeping with His commandments or not? Am I struggling to live according to His commandments? When I don't live according to His commandments, am I repenting? Am I confessing? Am I coming back to him? Am I yes or no? It's very simple. It's, it's pretty black and white, quite frankly. And it's that disposition which is full of a willingness to be with God, a desire to be with him that readies our ears to be able to hear him. And so today we're going to be talking about what's all the different things we can hear. You see, the, the issue here is there is for sure a noise to static ratio. A, a static to, 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 to signal ratio, right? For sure, for sure, I'm not an engineer, but the engineers can tell us. They measure these things, how much, how much noise is there and how much signal is there. When I play hide-and-seek with my daughters, sometimes I hide too well, right? And then I guess it's a British thing, you know, when the pr other person's taking too long to find you, you start yelling signal, you know? So sometimes I feel like God is yelling signal, you know, but he's yelling signal, but the TV is on, some toy is also, you know, making noise, somebody's cooking in the kitchen, the fan is on, this and that, and you know what? The girls are running around the house looking for me, but they can't, they still can't find me, and they can't even hear me say signal. So the question here is, what is, what is the noise, um, what is, what, what is the noise, and what is 
the signal, the desired signal. So to begin with, very quickly, there's four influences on us. There's God, whom we're trying to hear, right? There is, you're going to think, well, what else could there be? Well, there's the devil, who is obviously trying to lead us astray. You know, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray a dozen times a day, lead us not into temptation. So he's trying to lead us into temptation, and we're asking God to save us from that. So that's a second, a second sound that's out there. Then there's also the world, societal norms, what's become normal around us. Uh, the world looks on and says, this is okay, this is normal, this is not, and so on, right? And so the, the world and society has a voice that we get impregnated with and we get conditioned to. So that's a third, that's a third sound that we're hearing, a third voice that we're hearing. And the fourth one, which is probably the one we hear the most often, is ourselves, Right? My own wishes, my own desires, my own me, 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 me. Right? And there's a lot of me going on in here. And all of this acts as competition with God. And so if today's talk had any title, I would call it, I would call it Dial Down the Volume. And the reason is, is because you can't dial up the volume on God. Like, okay, there's all this noise going on. Maybe God, I mean, God is God. He is almighty. He is the king of kings, the Lord. He's the creator of the universe. Why doesn't he just shout louder? Why doesn't he just like, you know, get himself two of those lighted batons and start landing an airplane, do jumping jacks? Why doesn't he just get my attention? Can you imagine the queen of England doing that? Is it befitting for royalty to jump up? Is, would the Queen of England stand on her throne, stand on the throne and say, people, you have to listen to me. Is that fitting? Is it appropriate? Does it make sense? If somebody did that, you would start questioning if this person is actually king. Like, why doesn't anybody listen to them? And even if nobody listens to them, why don't they have the decorum of royalty? God is king. God is king. He's not going to stand on his throne and start waving his hands and saying, listen to me, listen to me, right? He's going to whisper. Furthermore, it's in his character. Like, we can't ask people to act out of their character. It's just, it's just not nice, you know? If somebody's shy and you're asking them to be, like, to be, you know, uh, like, bold and this and that, can you believe that the fathers, when they describe God, they describe him as shy. When St. Paul describes the Holy Spirit, he describes him as timid. God is shy, bold but shy, timid. Another reason why God will never stand on a chair and shout with lighted batons trying to get your attention, right, is because I'm talking about here with his voice. He may do that with other things, which we're going to talk about next week, with signs. He might do that with other things he try to get your attention with other things, right? But he won't, he won't shout with his own voice. Another thing about God is he respects you. He respects your free will. He gave you free will. He gave me free will. He gave you the right to do whatever you want. And he doesn't want to take that away from you. Why would he have given it to you in the first place? He respects you and he respects me. And so he waits for a readiness in our hearts, and he speaks. But you know what? There is a readiness in your heart. There might not be a readiness in your heart to do A, B, and C, but there's a readiness in your heart to do X, Y, and Z. So God is already speaking to you about those. 
God is not stubborn, nor is he capricious. You know, you didn't listen to me? Well, fine. No, God is not like that at all, at all, at all. Last week, I gave the example of, your, 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 so I have small children, and so a lot of the things that come to my mind, and sometimes I get ideas from, from the people around me, from the staff of the church, from this and that, you know, and some of them have small children. One of them said, you know what it's like, Father John, it sounds like what you're describing is my children on the couch, I was saying last week, when they're watching TV, you know, and there's like selective hearing. You know, if, if, if you say ice cream, everybody runs off the couch. If you say, you know, like, what do you want for dinner? That's the classic thing happens in our house every day. What do you want for dinner? I could be talking to the wall. No one will hear me, right? And we all do a little bit of that selective hearing with God. God knows. God knows. So he will speak with you about the things that you're ready to talk about. He knows you're not ready to talk about certain issues. Or if you're ready to talk, you're certainly not ready to do right? So he's not going to push the issue. He's not going to strong arm you. He's not going to overpower you. No, why? Why would he do that? He's a loving father. He's a loving father. He's a timid, he has a, a timid, a shy spirit, a gentle, bold, powerful, strong, but shy spirit. We, found, we find in the, in the book of 1 Kings, Elijah speaks against the king and the queen because they're worshipping other gods and this and that. I won't go through the, all, all the details of the story, but then he, he finds himself with a bounty on his head. The queen has put a price on his head. You know, whoever kills Elijah gets this much. So he runs. He runs for his life. He runs for his life. He gets exhausted in the desert. An angel brings him back to. He runs some more, and he finally goes and hides in a cave. And while he's in the cave, he's kind of sulking to God, and he tells God, nobody wants to worship you anymore. Nobody's doing the right thing anymore. I alone am left, and they want to take my life. And God comes and visits him. God tells him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And then... A great and strong wind tears through the mountains and breaks the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. God, our God is a God of stillness. He's a God of quiet. He's a God of deep, deep respect. He's a God which has a little bit of timidity, a little bit of shyness about him. So if we wish to hear him, there's going to be no, no way around it other than to, we can't dial up the volume on God, so we're going to have to dial down the volume on all of the other things in our lives. So how are we going to dial down the, the volume on the devil, the world, and our desires. Well, let's start with the easy one. Anyone want to take a guess which one is the easiest one? The devil. St. James actually, you know, we think the devil, <gasps> the devil, right? But I want to tell you, demons are a nuisance. When you read the stories of the saints and how they dealt with demons, for them, demons were like, were like, summer evening mosquitoes, you know, they're just annoying. And they come and you swat them away and they come back and you swat them away. And if you like, you're following a mosquito on a summer evening and you, you kill it, right? 
Do you think that is the last mosquito that is ever going to come and assault you and try to suck the blood literally out of you? Of course not. It's one of an endless supply of God's mosquitoes. When I get to heaven, I have a lot of questions for God. One of them is, why? Why mosquitoes? What utility do they serve in the ecosystem? I have no idea. Right? But demons, the, 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 the desert fathers who dealt with demons all day long describe them like an, just a nuisance. They're just a nuisance. So we have no need to be afraid of demons. In fact, in fact, St. Paul in Hebrews says that if we are afraid of demons, then it is, it is um, it's proof of our perdition, right? So we, we don't need to be afraid of demons. We just need to know what to do with them. St. James tells us what to do with them. In chapter 4, he tells us, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Simple. It's very simple. If we, if we draw near to God and submit to God and resist the devil, it doesn't say overcome the devil. It doesn't say swat him like a mosquito. It doesn't say, you know, beat him up. It just says, just resist. The temptations come, just resist. And when you sense the temptations coming, that is like a trumpet call telling me, John, draw near to God. Draw near to God and resist the devil. And it's as simple as that. Okay, can we get practical? Yes. Let me talk about the other, the, the next one as well, and we'll lump them together into one practical technique to, to overcome both the world and the devil in one fell swoop. So let's talk about the world. The world is the societal norms. If you look to your left, you look here and you see everybody doing something. You look there, you see everybody doing something. You look there and you see every. We're all subject to conditioning. After you see it here and here and here and here and here and here, you're naturally going to think the natural thing to think, thing to think is that's the right thing to do or that's a good thing to do, right? We're all subject to conditioning. St. Uh, Peter says about Lot, who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the nephew of Abraham, that, he, that, that righteous man tormented his poor soul by living amongst those people and witnessing their wicked deeds, right? Righteous Lot tormented his poor soul living amongst those wicked people and witnessing their evil deeds. And so it's the same for you and for me. St. Saint, Saint Paul says it very simply. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Evil company corrupts good habits, period. There's no ands or ifs or buts. That's just how it is. Evil company corrupts good habits. I am not the stalwart giant who's going to stand in the midst of an ocean of evil influences and I am the one who's not going to be affected. This person was affected. That person was affected. That person was affected. That person was and I'm the one who's going to who's going to get through unscathed. I don't know. That's a bit arrogant, isn't it? So, let us be a little bit forward thinking and ask ourselves, what influences do I want? What company do I want? And so we find ourselves here doing almost the same thing as we did with the devil. Let us retreat from evil company and evil and, 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 and wicked habits and all of these things. The moment, of course, if I'm already in it, you know, if I'm already in, that in, in, in a particular environment, which by God's standards is unholy, I may already be at a point where I don't even recognize it anymore. Don't worry. Okay, fine. 
God will alert you at some point that this is not fitting for you. That this is not fitting for a child of God. I'm not judging the people around me. I'm not saying you're bad or you're good. I'm just saying this is not fitting for me. As much as it was unfitting for God to stand on his throne and jump up and down and wave his arms up in the air just because I don't feel like listening to him, as much as it is unfitting for a child of God to be living in such and such fashion or doing in such and such thing. Maybe I'm so far into it, I've become conditioned to that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't stress and tell yourself, oh my goodness, I've been living in the world for so long. How many things have I, have I deemed normal now, which God would not deem normal? Don't worry about it. There will come a time where God will, where your heart will be ready to hear. God will know, and like a loving father, like a good teacher, a, a, a good teacher doesn't impose a lesson on a student that they can't deal with that they can't understand, but waits and brings them to the point where they'll be able to understand and to, and to act appropriately according to the lesson. And so God is also a good father, a good teacher. He will wait and bring you and me to the point where we're ready to hear and then he will tell us. But he'll tell us other things in our lives that need to change. Maybe he won't address this topic because I'm not ready to do anything about it yet, but he'll address this one and this one and this one and so on. And so we find ourselves here with the same, it's the same thing, whether it's the devil or the world. Let us retreat away from the, these influences and let us turn to God and, and set our hearts on him and submit to him and surrender to him. The church has taught us to be very practical. Our church is a church that is full of fasting. It is full of fasting. And this is going to lead us to, the, to dealing with the third one, which is ourselves, right? It's, our church is a church which has put seasons for us of fasting and feasting so that we could have times to reflect and ask ourselves, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And, and where are things going? And why, why have I come to a place that this is normal? Ten years ago, that would not have been normal for me. How did that become normal for me? And where we can reflect on these things and allow God space and room, stillness, so that, that he could speak to us. Unlike in the, the intro video that we showed, and which is very reflective, some of, many of my days of my life, of the busy, 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 go, 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 and there's no stillness. The church has provided for us seasons where it's calling us to stillness so that we can hear God more clearly. Now, we're going to get to the fourth one, which is, um, which is ourselves, which is probably the, the loudest voice in my heart. The loudest voice in my heart is probably the voice of my own desires. What I want, what I need, what I think, what I deem best, what I, 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 me, 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 right? I mean, and if you think about it, we're very much conditioned by the world to think that way. Follow your heart, says the world. Where in the Bible does it say follow your heart? The Bible says, above all things, the heart of man is very deceitful. The Bible says, if the most likely person in this room to lie to me successfully right now is guess who? Me, right? You all might try and you might come pretty close, but I might figure you out. But I can lie to myself with great ease, right? The world tells you, believe in yourself, right? What does God say? Where does it say in scripture, believe in yourself? Who of the early church fathers said, believe in yourself? In fact, in fact, St. Theophan the Recluse says, the first step in spiritual life is to have complete distrust of the self and full confidence in God. We won't get into that. That's not rooted in low self-esteem or, or whatever. It's rooted in self, 
in self-denial or self-emptying, which is what we're going to talk about now, right? Everything in the world is a self-assertion. It's all about me and myself and how great I am. And all of us struggle with some degree of low self-esteem and all of that is thought to be a remedy for it. This is back from the 80s. It was a, an, an, an experiment in the, in, in the education system and it failed. However, we're still trying to use self-assertion as, as a resort for a low self-esteem. Whereas scripture and the, and the church has told us from long ago that accepting and embracing our true identity as children of God is the solution for a low self-esteem, which is again not our topic for today, but we could talk about low self-esteem and self-identity and the identity in, in, as a child of God some other time, and the deep therapy that we receive from the grace, the free gift of becoming a child of God, and how that really really gives us a new esteem, an esteem of God who esteems us. But that's another topic for another day. So, how do I dial down the volume on myself? There's like a, you ever, you ever been at the grocery store and you see a mom who accidentally took her toddler down the candy bar aisle, right? And the, ki the kid is grabbing at everything, you know? Everything they can, the mom is trying to, or dad, it's, it's oftentimes me who unwittingly takes my kid down the candy bar. I'm trying to go down the center aisle so that their arms aren't long enough. To, because if they were, they would, they would just really sweep everything off the shelves into, into the basket, right? And, and, they're say, and I'm saying no, and they're saying I want, and I'm saying no, and they're saying I want. And the next thing, when they realize they're not going to get what they want, what happens? They start screaming, right? And there's this red-faced toddler in the cart screaming, pounding their arms and legs, you know, bruising themselves, literally, because they want to get what they want. Well, guess what? I'm not describing my children, my daughters, or angels. I'm actually describing myself, right? There is, there is the, the self that lives inside of me is this toddler. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And all this self-assertion of putting me first, my needs, what I want, and I, 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 me, 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 right? And that's, and that is blaring. That's, that, that dial, that Volume dials on the maximum inside me, right? And if I'm going to want to be able to hear God, I'm going to need to dial that down. I'm going to need to dial down the volume. So how do we do that? Well, we are so fortunate to be in a church which is steeped in practical spirituality of self-effacement, of self-emptying, of self-denial. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, come, come. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. There's no other way to be a Christian than to deny ourselves. It's not, this isn't like St. Anthony denied himself and sold everything and followed Jesus. Wow. You know, like, oh, like this, that's for the, that's for the, the, the hall of fame, you know? No, it's, this is like a, this is the, the entry requirement of Christianity to be committed to a life of self-denial or self-emptying. So how do we do that practically? Well, it's very simple. You just ask yourself, what do I want? And stop doing it, you know? It's as simple as, metaphorically speaking, going to a restaurant, looking at a menu, seeing, hmm, what piques my interest the most? Oh, I think I'd like the top sirloin. Okay, that's not what I'm going to have today, right? As simple as that. You don't have to do that when you go to a restaurant. I'm not telling you to do that when you go to a restaurant. I'm telling you to do that in life. 
in life. I'm telling you that when you're with your colleagues, to give in honor, give precedence one to another. You know, when you're standing at the you know, coffee machine and there looks like there's only one coffee left in the coffee pot, you know, and it's you and somebody else, let the person behind you have it. Say, you know, it took me forever. I took it as a spiritual practice for an entire fast and I refused to do it. Like I was, I was purposely trying to do this and I still wouldn't do it. When I stand in line somewhere, I told myself anytime I'm standing in line anywhere, retail or whatever, I'm going to let the person behind me go ahead of me. Just as a practice of letting somebody else have right of way. You know, hey, I'm not in that much of a rush. You don't look like you have that many things. Do you want to go ahead of me? I've got a cart full. You only have a couple of things. You want to go ahead of me? You'd think it was easy to do. <laughs> I rehearsed the words I was going to say. I know, and I wouldn't do it like 80% of the time. Why? Why? I know what to say. I know what I'm doing. I'm being intentional. I set out to the grocery store with this in mind, and I still wouldn't do it. Why? Because the self reigns king in here. Well, there's only room for one on the throne. It's either me or Jesus. It's either me or Jesus. Like we were talking yesterday, there's no point in hearing him if you're not planning to do what he says. Right? So when he speaks, he's going to tell you to do something. He's going to tell you to do something. And if you're not ready to do it, then, then it's just awkward. It's just, it puts you and God in an awkward spot. God won't do that to you. God won't do that to you. He'll bite his tongue. He'll bite his tongue until you and I are ready to do it. And so we find here, if, you're, if you commit yourself to a little bit of retreat, a little bit of turning away from the world, a little bit of resisting temptation, the world and the devil are not your major contenders. The major contenders in my heart are God, yes, because he's relentless. He will never give up on you. Are God and myself. And a little bit of self-denial, a little bit of self-renunciation, a little bit of self-emptying is what's needed. The church teaches us to fast. The church teaches us to give to the poor. The church teaches us to be patient. The church teaches all these different practices the church is teaching us are teaching us. Forget about the poor are wonderful. I love the poor. I sit and eat a meal or two a week with the poor, etc. I love the poor, but it's not about the poor. It's not about the poor. It's about my selfishness. It's about my unwillingness to put somebody else before another. If I'm not willing to put my brother who I can see before myself, how am I going to be willing to put God whom I cannot see before myself? St. John tells us, if, I cannot, if you cannot love your brother whom you can see, how can you say you love God that you cannot see? So God is calling us, you and I, to one very simple practice. Let me wrap it all up. There's four influences on us. God, the devil, the world, and yourself. We want to kind of dial down the volume on the devil and the world and God and, and, and myself. So all that's left is God. We want God to be the last man standing. We want, to, we want to go to the sound mixer and just turn the volume down on those. And God will just stay as he is, even keel. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this still small voice that's been there all along will suddenly be very, very audible. How do we do that? By taking on 
real, practical, and simple practices of self-denial and retreat, retreating away from the world, seeking some sort of stillness. How do we do that in practice? I asked our, our staff at our staff meeting this week, I told them, give me some ideas. How do you create stillness? And I'll end with this. They shared a couple of things that were really useful. One person says they, they work mostly from home, maybe as, as, as lots of you do, and their life is meetings, right? And so they schedule a meeting. They schedule a meeting every day at different, at different times, so it's not too suspect, with God, right? And they schedule that meeting, they, they turn it on, they put a timer on their phone, and then they turn their laptop away from them. And now is their time to have a meeting, not with this person or that person or that group or whatever, but with God. And a time of stillness. Here's another one. I thought this one was very creative. Um, some people have gotten into a habit of getting their groceries delivered during COVID, right? And have carried on with that. Right? Well, there's one grocery delivery company in the city here who will deliver your groceries as early as 5 in the morning. Now, I'm not a morning person, but if somebody's going to be knocking at my door at 5 in the morning, I'll be awake to receive the groceries. Right? And so this person orders groceries every second day. You know, whether they need a lot of things or not, they order a few things, so they get a delivery between 5 to 6 a.m., but they got to be ready at 5. So they wake up at 5, and guess what? The house is dead quiet, everybody's asleep, and there is time, stillness that they can have with God. So I'm sure you can come up with just as many creative ways to retreat away from the world, to retreat away from the passions and the desires, to, re to retreat away from our own selfish interests, mine as well, to be with God alone. And it's in that stillness not in the fire or the earthquake or the wind, but it's in that stillness that you will begin to hear his still, small voice. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.